Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up. Never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show. Presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, October 9, 2019, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today is Tom Lobianco, author of Piety and Power, Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. Tom's been covering Mike Pence for the AP, CNN, and the Indianapolis Star for many years now. He's also appeared on MSNBC, NPR, and Fox News Channel. Today we'll talk about all things Pence, from why he calls his wife mother, to whether he'll be impeached in the House investigation into Trump's Ukraine quid pro quo, and a whole lot more, including the one question everyone asks about Pence, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, if you dig today's show, please help support this podcast by subscribing at bobseskashow.com. All right, let's talk to Tom Lobianco. Obviously, the timing of your book is spot on. I'm sure you've heard about I'm sure you've heard about the SDNY filing by Trump's legal team arguing that Trump can't be prosecuted, that he's above the law. But they go out of their way to say the vice president totally doesn't enjoy similar immunity. Suck it, Mr. Vice President. Uh, Meet the (laughs) meet the underside of the bus. Right. I mean, why did why do you think Trump's team even mentioned V POTUS in this filing? I mean, do you think they're uh, they're trying to set up a scapegoat here? Oh, that's, or oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, look, it's um, ever since he had that press con- Trump had that press conference outside the UN. Basically, the day after uh, Pelosi announces the start of impeachment. Yeah, and remember watching his his animation it's very kind of flat his eyes were more squinty than usual (laughs) and he just looked afraid in a way that you know normally when he's afraid he gets blustery Mm -hmm. but this one almost like it's like it's almost like it finally penetrated for him like it sunk in and his delivery was very flat it was very stilted (laughs) and and then at some point he throws out there he says oh yeah and uh maybe you ought to ask for mike pence's tapes too (laughs) and yeah. And and it was a very I mean for me at least is you know it's kind of like the Mike Pence guy. Mm. I was like I it was the it was a dark moment because he's really never I've never seen him do that to Pence before. Wow. And 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 since then, you know, I've heard a lot of chatter about this about the idea that Pence is kind of like the the Republican insurance plan, <laughs> like you could like you could get rid of Trump um, you know, if things really went south. And you're always okay because you got Pence in there to to rise up, and I and I suspect, and I've I've heard some chatter to this effect that that's part of the reason why Trump is really wrapping his arms tight around Mike Pence right now. Have you ever seen uh, the vice president change his expression reacting to something? I, I'm always looking at those uh, joint <laughs> availabilities where you know Pence has to be wheeled out to stand behind Trump, almost like a human shield, and then Trump just starts going off. Like there was that one great scene with. Uh, and I, I don't know why I'm referring to it as a scene, but there was that uh, mm-hmm. that, that day that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were in the Oval with, oh, yeah. with Trump and Pence, and famously Pence just sat there 
um, unmoving. Mm-hmm. His his expression didn't change at all. I mean, people were wondering if he was still alive. I mean, as a Pence expert, do you sit and watch some of those things and try to pick out how Pence <laughs> might be reacting to some of the gobbledygook that Trump is uh, screeching? Oh, he's I mean, he's famously flat. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, there's a couple, there are a couple of tells. Um, yeah, I remember, uh, back when he was governor and he was very intently running for president, this is 2014, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of like you make the shadow run without formally announcing anything. (laughs) And I, I had asked, I was back, I was back at the Associated Press back then. Mm -hmm. And, and I asked him, I said, I said, well, hey, uh, Mr. Governor, see you're out in Manhattan a lot. Um, you know, are, are you running for president? And he gives me the same answer. He says, Tom, I'm very humble to serve the people of Indiana as governor. Great impression, by like, the way. Perfect, perfect <laughs> impression of him. That was excellent. So I asked him, so I, so I asked him again, right? And he gives the same answer again. I asked him a third time. I kind of reframed. I do the Sherman question, right? You know, if call, you know, Mr. Governor, if called on to serve, would you refuse that call? Mm-hmm. And he gives the same answer. So finally, I did something different. I didn't do a verbal question. I did a physical question. Hmm. I looked him dead in the eye, and I was like, "You are running for president, aren't you?" His face got flush red. <laughs> I didn't know it was capable of turning red. I, I thought it was just that one color of gray. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, and and there's another time where, so that when he gets flushes like that, that's his tell. And I talked yeah. to some of his former advisors about this um, and just to confirm it. Um, I'll give you another example. In 2000, March of 2018 at the gridiron dinner, you know, and I wrote, I write about this in the book. Pence was not really supposed to be there. See, either the president or the vice president goes there. And I remember, yeah. it, um, and Pence had stood in for Trump back in 2017. But he, you know, he really wanted to go. Trump was doing the 2018 dinner, and Pence asked if he could do it. And you know, we're going to do tell the vice president, no, you can't attend this dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes there, and he's on stage with you know everybody else. And Steve Mnuchin's up there, all the all the brass, you know, top reporters. Uh, and, and Trump is, and Trump is there. So Mike and Karen Pence are uh, standing at the, the head table on the top, on the stage. Um, and Trump is starting to deliver his roast yeah. and, um, they're just to the right of him and they're kind of looking, they're craning their necks to the, which way would you be craning your neck? You'd be craning your neck to the right, I believe. Yeah. And they're craning to the right to look directly up at him as he's at the lectern. And he starts in on his, on his routine. It's actually a pretty good routine. It's not like, it's like for him, it, it's what might count as self-deprecating. And, yeah. and right. And, mm. and, and then he gets to Pence and he starts out by saying, you know, Mike Pence is always, you know, asking the guys at the office, says, walks in his first question. Oh, is that guy gone yet? I'm really ready to be president. (laughs) And you're, and you're listening to him and you're Mm. listening to Trump. And I was like, I think to myself, I'm like, wow, that like, that's like, I'm not entirely sure he's joking here. Yeah. And, and then yeah, something, I know where you're going. This is a great story. Oh man. I was astounded. Then he says, he says, you know, some people don't think Mike sense Mike Pence has a sense of humor, but he really does. He's a really good straight man. <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. How did Pence react to that? Did you talk to the vice president after that at any point? I mean, how what, I was <laughs> I was watching. I, I you know I was probably the only person in that room watching Pence and not intently and not watching Trump intently and. What happens is his face turned red again. Is <laughs> it's bright red and Amazing. look and this is, and him and Karen were both watching him. Now their 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 smiles were just plastered on there and they did not change at all. The um, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Remember the old uh, Soundgarden uh, uh, music video for Black Hole Sun? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> right because how do you react to that right it's sure like you just 
he just he just called his VP gay. It's like it's incredible <laughs> in front of everybody. I mean, is there any yeah. is there any truth at all to that rumor? I mean, I guess we should get that out of the way right away. I mean, not that that ultimately matters, other than the hypocrisy. But uh, is there any realism behind what is on the tips of everyone's tongues at this point? No, no, and you I know. Don't think so. uh, yeah, I, you look, you know, you hear this stuff in the course of your reporting mm. and um, and I did not see uh, any evidence. And, of course, not, you know, not that it would matter. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, I did not really go into like I did not go deep down that road mm-hmm. in the in the in the in the book. Uh, but I can just tell you that in my reporting, um, I did not find any validity to that. Along those lines, I mean, what really in your investigation, in your reporting, what is the biggest myth about Mike Pence? Oh, um, I think the biggest myth about Mike Pence is that he's a raging theocrat. I think he's you talk not. about how there's this there's a secular side to him. It's sort of bifurcated. He's got this really evangelical yeah. side, former Catholic, now evangelical. And then also he's got a secular aspect to him, which is fascinating <laughs> to know about. I mean, where, how does he how does he uh, balance those two things? I mean, yeah, the the faith is very real, as is in, as is the ambition. But when mm. he, these caricatures of him that are out there, that he's like, a, you know, the second coming of Jerry Falwell or, or something like that, like it's that that misses the political side of him. And I'll give you a great example of this. Mm-hmm. And this is I kind of base I base this on the evidence. 2015, he signs the Religious Freedom Bill, an anti-gay bill in Indiana. It would allow businesses effectively to discriminate against um, LGBT folks. And initially, he starts out in this process supporting his Christian right base and his old political advisors who kind of come out of that world. However, he, he kind of pivots on a dime. And he assigns. He, eventually, he signs was a, a, a quote unquote fix to the legislation, mm-hmm. alerting the Indiana courts that no, you cannot use this as a, as a means of discriminating, and which is what the business community wants, and the L- LGBT groups want more. But you know, as a compromise, that's you know probably the best you're going to get in Indiana, and and we all kind of wonder like why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I found out in the course of reporting this book, the reason it's because. Republican billionaire uh, Paul Singer, whose son is gay, he'd come out uh, maybe four or five years earlier, um, big pro-LGBT Republican, calls up Mike Pence and says, you will not get any money in a potential White House run unless you back down and sign the fix alerting people that this cannot be used to discriminate against gay people. Related to that, I want to get into uh, just very briefly uh that abortion law 1377 and just to get a general read from you as being a a pence Mm -hmm. expert it's you know and it's really only semi-related to pence but do you think evangelicals like pence i mean really want to lose abortion as an issue by outright banning it or do you think they need this issue to keep turnout higher among Christian voters. And I'm saying this only from that uh, dividing line between, as you were saying, uh, Pence's uh, uh, evangelical side and his secular side. It seems to me as if the secular side would go, hey, you know what? We could really use that issue to drive out uh, voters. (laughs) But the the evangelical side is going, ah, we got to save the fetuses. How do they come down on that? Is this something that they're just pushing to keep evangelicals stoked for turnout on election day, or is this something that they're genuinely trying to ban? Oh, no, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, we all, we often wonder about that in politics, right? You know, how much of this is actually about changing something versus how much of it is, you know, just about raising dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suspect yeah. that he really does want to outlaw abortion. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because, He's kind of flimsy on other issues. Yeah, let me give you an example. Okay. In 2000, 2000, he has a debate in Muncie, Indiana, and it's his, uh, his first successful run for Congress. And they ask, they ask him, there's Democrat, him, and an independent on stage. And they ask them, okay, where do you stand on NAFTA? And of course, you know, for your, for your listeners, Muncie, Indiana, big uh, uh, auto manufacturing hub, um, uh, had been a big theater, uh, uh, theater town into uh, Indy. And, um, it uh, and by this point, though, it really been falling apart, uh, like like most of the other towns around in the in that auto parts ring, yeah. and um, 
And, and a lot of people blame NAFTA. And so they go, they go in the debate and they ask them, okay, what, you know, will you support NAFTA? The Democrat, Bob Rock says, well, you know, uh, I support my party and Bill Clinton, um, on 99% of the issues, but I cannot support him on NAFTA because NAFTA is destroying this city. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Go to the independent, the independent and his man named Bill Frazier, he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a way ticket for the bushels of corn he had just dropped off earlier in the day. And he says, NAFTA was supposed to get me more money, but I'm losing two cents on the bushel now that they passed NAFTA. Okay. <laughs> so get the, and he's a character. Bill Fraser was a card. Yep. And, um, and they get the Pence. And Mike Pence does the Mike Pence thing. He uh, says, he says I'm, now I'm confident that the good people of Muncie, Indiana, <laughs> Shelbyville, Richmond, Anderson, <laughs> all throughout the second district will or make the changes necessary to adopt to the new economy as we move forward under the leadership of good people like Mayor Dan Cannon. <laughs> so he says a lot without and, saying anything. Well, I mean, essentially what he says is hashtag learn to code. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so they press him and they say, they say, okay, but you didn't really like what, what you just said, right? Okay. Come on, man. But you didn't really just answer the question. Do you support NAFTA or not? And he says, let me be clear. NAFTA is the only thing I agree with president Bill Clinton on. <laughs> God. Now, okay. So, yeah, right. Right. So, but to answer your, so this is a very long way of answering your question mm. about the abortion, right? Look, what happened 16 years later? He flips on the dime on the issue of trade to support Trump. Right. Yeah. And he's never going back on that. He's never, he's never going back on that issue. However, abortion is perhaps one of, if I could think of one or two issues that he will never change on, it, that's it. Yeah. And I think that's very real for him. And let me give you from the evangel. I spent a lot of time sort of in the uh, evangelical world trying to report this, understand the faith. Sure. Um, and and the and the interplay of the politics here, you know, they talk about it. There's a there's a man named um, he was a former member of Parliament uh, back in the 1700s named William Wilberforce, um, and uh, he was a uh, sort of a anti-slavery crusader, uh, an abolitionist back then uh, in Britain, and um, they for the evangelical types, they and pro-life groups, including Catholic pro-life groups. They identify with William Wilberforce and mm. and and, and re eliminating abortion, mm. outlawing abortion. They see it in no less than the same terms as the abolitionists. And I think that's where Mike Pence is. So wow. it's like any it's like it's like any human. Right. It's you know, some things are very cynical and calculated, but mm. other things are very deep and, and real. And I, I suspect for Pence that is real. So, you know, would he have. If you were to have the chance to outlaw abortion completely, uh, I think the answer is yes, absolutely he would. Oh, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. See, I was relying on the idea that maybe they just want the issue, you know? <laughs> now, shit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to get into um, Mike Pence's overall persona and then maybe into some specifics regarding Ukraine and so on. But, I mean, my sure. impression of Pence is that he's just extremely, I was saying before, he's just extremely well rehearsed. In fact, there's a, a great yeah. sketch that you can find on YouTube. It was a, a sketch comedy show that was on MTV for a while. It was called, uh, I think it was called The Whitest Kids You Know. And they do this <laughs> spoof uh, campaign ad by a fictitious senator named Senator Clint Webb. And it goes through all of the kind of the generic politician things like a baby that's dressed in a suit to show that he means business and so on. <laughs> I'm Clint Webb and I'm running for Senate. I have a short cropped haircut, a pretty enough yet accessible looking wife and a newborn baby that I've dressed in a suit to prove to you that I mean business. For the last 15 years, I've lived my life in such a bland, uncontroversial, and repressed manner that it's almost unnatural. Why? Because I've been preparing to be a representative since I was a child. Most well-adjusted sane men would be hesitant to take a job where their decisions would so drastically affect the lives of so many. But not me. I possess a sort of sociopathic narcissism that makes me think that I should be in charge of everyone. But all of that needs to start here at home, in this beautiful state that I've grown to love since I moved here 18 months ago. 
Together, we can piggyback some of our state's legitimate needs onto my unquenchable lust for self-glorification. And that's a promise. All of my motives are ulterior. I'm self-involved to the point of psychosis. My soul is terrifying. And that's leadership. So this November, let's send Washington a message. And what is that message? Hey. Me. Um, and with yeah. my, I see the same thing. When I see that sketch... It is just 100% Mike Pence. I mean, his speech cadence, his gestures, his almost psychotically yeah. repressed personality all seems like he attended like a media training seminar and got stuck that way. Like he can't break out of it now. <laughs> is this just how he is? I mean, is that how his personality naturally is? Or has he crafted this public persona to be, I mean, for lack of a better term, to be this generic and ordinary? I mean, you know, he's kind of, I mean, he's not like a, super dynamic personality exactly <laughs> yeah the but, under understatement of the year <laughs> uh, you know but i'll tell you when i talked with especially a lot of the people who used to work with him in radio uh-huh. and i mean you know this i mean you you got to have some personality on air right. and and it's it, it, otherwise your show is flat so when he was on radio he was actually pretty good but i would talk with people who you know had worked with him and after he went to washington and he kind of comes back. I don't. I don't know if this is like reprogramming that happens in Washington to every congressman, but he comes back and he's just flat and he's hidden. And that's where you get like the like the Pence robot. Yeah. And and I and I think and look, yeah, I've talked with I talked with friends who knew him since the eighties. Um, they often say you know we often hear about how. Um, you know, maybe Trump or maybe Pence's religiosity is is, is starting to rub off on uh, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And but the funny thing is, is that Pence's friends would tell me, oh, well, you know, hopefully some of Trump's uh, Trump's uh, spontaneity will start to rub off on Mike Pence because, boy, wouldn't that help his chances? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, but I hope and this is a weird thing for someone like me to say. But I hope mm-hmm. that I hope that uh, the vice president sticks with his guns in terms of how he presents himself, because it's very disciplined. And I think um, to a certain extent, I'd like to see a return to boring national leaders. You know what I mean? Where we've had this <laughs> this era of yeah. dynamism uh, with Donald Trump, where he's in our living room every day. There's yeah. got to be Trump fatigue now. We're so tired of hearing it. We were tired of hearing from him in 2015 when he first announced, and we're especially tired of hearing from him now for a variety of reasons. I just feel like, you know, that kind of persona that Mike Pence has, while he has some repugnant ideas in terms of policy, uh, I do appreciate the fact that he's sticking with his guns by maintaining that even keel. You know what I mean? That yeah. even strain <laughs> that he's famous for. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really remarkable how disciplined he's remained in all of this. But, I mean, oh, yeah. getting into where he, I think he's going to face some trouble if he hasn't already. Now, we also heard that Pence is uh, involved in lobbying Ukraine to reopening the Burisma yeah. investigation that involves Joe Biden, et cetera, right. et cetera. I mean, does it look like to you that um, this impeachment investigation is going to really impact Pence? Maybe not to the point of bringing him down, or maybe so. We don't know yet. But is he going to get wrapped up in all of this in some way? Or do you think that uh, uh, the House Democrats are just going to kind of draw the line at uh, Donald Trump and not go further? Oh, no. I, he, I, I would say, actually, he already is wrapped into this. And mm. I mean, uh, so what, last Friday, the um, the three committees uh, directing impeachment right now, um, I- Intelligence, Oversight, and the House, um, uh, I'm sorry, Oversight and House Foreign Affairs, yeah. um, sent, a, sent a subpoena for information to Pence, um, requesting information all about this. Um, his what you know uh, documents between him and the president um, uh, you know any evidence of you know what Trump directed him to do what did he say at the there in the meeting with Zelensky mm-hmm. um, you know any anything and everything related to this um, I think we're just starting to see the beginning of this and and you know I've talked with somebody from the House Democrats who's involved in this and um, and they told me that, no, uh, they're not going to stop. 
um, wow. at Trump. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to. All right, we're going to return to our conversation with Tom Lobianco here in just a second. But first, let's talk about Plexiderm. I know you've done this. You've thought about it. Do I need plastic surgery to get rid of all these crow's feet, under-eye bags, and fine lines and wrinkles? You don't need it. You don't need to go through the expense. You don't need to go through the pain and the hassle of plastic surgery. All you need is Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in just a matter of minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. And if you don't believe it, you're in great company because I didn't believe it either until we got our canister of Plexiderm here at the house. And we both tried it, Kimberly Johnson and I. And in just a matter of about 10 minutes, we were amazed at the results. Simply put, I'm blown away by Plexiderm. It can give you the confidence you need to be yourself at work or out with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear topically, so nobody's going to know that you're using it unless you tell them, of course. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my promo code SEXYLIBERAL. That's two words, sexy liberal for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292. That's 1-800-685-1292. And mentioning the code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com and use the code Sexy liberal. That's triplexiderm.com. The Bob Seska Show. I mean, does the vice president, do you think, have aspirations to, uh, well, I'll give you three choices. To one, unseat yeah. Trump through impeachment or resignation. Two, succeed mm-hmm. Trump, which is the logical choice for him you know, running for president after mm-hmm. Trump's done. Or three, whichever comes first. So it's uh, choice one again is to, to un- I mean, do you think that he's getting ready for Trump to be unseated through some sort of resignation and, you know, an impeachment conviction to is he just sitting tight until Trump just leaves office naturally or three? He's ready for anything <laughs> like he'll he'll do it that way. He's fine with that. He's fine with uh, running for president on his own accord at some point in the future. Which of those three things do you think it is? Um, my, you know, the funny thing is, this is actually the kind of the same dynamic that was in play throughout the Russia investigation. Yeah. Uh, although obviously things are happening quite a bit faster sure. now. Um, it's wait and see. I mean, look, this is how he rolls. This mm. is, it's actually very much how he's been throughout his entire career. He's not an active guy. And, um, and their strategy you know, when I was talking with his folks for the book, what repeatedly, repeatedly what they told me was they didn't want to be, they didn't want to ascend through impeachment because they don't want uh, the the presidency with an asterisk. Um, nobody wants to be Gerald Ford. And what they told me was that, you know, what they really prefer is two terms of Trump and then you ride the coattails and then you uh, you win the uh, in your own right. So now, yeah. okay, so let's let's apply that to to the dynamic now. Um, I suspect. I mean, if they they would take it, yes, if they could. But the question is, would they? Get, you know, let's say hypothetically that um, you know things go absolutely to hell for for Trump, like even more so than they already already have, and um, that uh, that McConnell decides, okay, we're you know we're going to ha- hold a vote, and there's enough votes to remove Trump. Um, Pence comes in. Um, they would still want to win the election in their own right. They would still want to win in 2020. Um, and every decision is made based on that. It's look before Ukraine, every decision was made based on winning the election in outright in 2024. Okay. And now it's okay. Maybe you could win in 2020, but everything is focused on, can you win the election? And it's the same, look, it's the same thing that Nikki Haley is doing right now to how do you win the general election? Right. Uh, or the primary, right? Win the primary, you move in steps, win the primary first and, uh, and then move the general election. And, um, and yeah, just take it from there, but yeah. it's very passive. Mm-hmm. That's his style. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's right. I mean, it's I, Beck Bennett nails it, right. You know, that, um, on Saturday <laughs> on Live, SNL, right? Yeah. right. You know, or Bueller, uh, you know, Bueller kind of Bueller, Mike Bueller Pompeo kind of looks at, looks down at him. He's like, he's like, you know, Mr. Vice President, impeachment comes at you fast. If you don't stop to look around, you might miss it. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. Matthew Broderick <laughs> making a uh, cameo appearance. Yeah, that was excellent. Oh, man. 
I mean, my question, though, in the event that Mike Pence somehow ascends to the presidency, uh, how does he hang on to the Red Hats? Because how does he hang on to mm-hmm. the loyal yeah, sure. Trump supporters, the rally goers, the people who are diehards who will cheer for Donald Trump even if he started making fart noises under his armpit? I mean, how does right, exactly. how does Mike Pence maintain that coalition of voters uh, moving forward? Because it seems like... Everyone on the Hill with an R after their name is really desperately right. interested in not pissing off the Red Hats. I mean, that's really oh, yeah. they fear, I think, the Trump supporters more than they do Trump himself. What is Mike Pence <laughs> right. planning as far as the, as far as those people go? I mean, how does he hold on to those people? Well, you know, it, it's it's functionally the same strategy he's been doing you know, for the last three years. Right. Mm. Which is you know, look at these campaigns. Everyone's um, I saw some reports about how he's you know, he's getting active at targeting, um, you know, uh, swing, swing district Democrats on impeachment and going out there campaign style. Um, that's how he does. I mean, it's the same thing he's been doing for three years. He's really, he's not good inside the white house. He's not very effective inside the building or in Washington and sort of in terms of driving things. He's actually just generally a, a better campaigner. Um, and this is, that's his strength. So, you know, how do you keep him in the fold one through, unflinching loyalty and then this way i think it's all it's always kind of amusing to me to hear people talk about Nikki haley because i don't see why haley would be the natural pick for uh for the nominee republican nominee because she would never carry the trump base i mean to me and, and you know based on my reporting at least the the more likely threat would come from the Trump family, oh, from either yes. Ivanka or Don Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, in your book, you write about how uh, Trump wanted to vet Ivanka for vice president. How did that yep. end up falling apart? That was back in, tw- obviously, 2016. How did that end up collapsing? Yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> they uh, initially... I, I, you know, this is where you don't believe this stuff the first time you hear it. But, oh, I know, um, I know. But, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like everything on Twitter. You have to look it up to make sure that it's not The Onion or some other parody account, you know? Right, exactly. It's like he clicked through, you know, win the, win the presidency with this one weird trick. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I mean, geez, uh, he, it seems obvious yeah. that 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 Donald Trump would do this. I mean, as soon as I read that yeah. in your book, I was like, well, yes, of course he did that. Yeah. Of course he wanted Ivanka. And I've got a follow up on that, too. But I mean, what oh, happened? Yeah. How did that whole process fall apart where he ended up abandoning Ivanka as a possibility and ended up going with whether it's Gingrich, Christie or or Mike Pence? Well, it was, you know, it, it was one part gentle nudging from his uh, his team telling him that the nepotism could be like particularly bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And. And then two, kind of re- relying on his adult uh, uh, ADD to uh, just naturally move on from the idea. Oh, right, right. So that was like, I have this uh, categorization system for the things that Donald Trump says. They're either Space Force or nuking hurricanes, with Space Force being a crazy idea that he came up with on the spur of the moment, and then it actually became a real thing, nuking hurricanes, right. uh, a crazy blurt by Donald Trump, bunch of questioning in the Oval Office, and then it ne- never really amounted to anything. So it sounds like uh, Ivanka Trump as vice presidential running mate in 2016 was kind of a nuking hurricanes thing. He just forgot about it and just moved on. Well, remember, you know, the reason they like Gingrich, the reason that Javanka, Jared and Ivanka like Gingrich so much. And and where you said Space Force, this made me think of it was because he's a big ideas guy. And Trump's not a big ideas guy. I mean, his big ideas tend to uh, tend to be nuking hurricanes. But, you know, the Space Force thing. Mm. wasn't was actually it's kind of an offshoot of gingrich because remember when gingrich wanted to go to mars oh yeah yeah right right and i mean how funny is that that look uh pence one-ups gingrich to win the when the running mate slot okay uh he he one-ups chris christie twice um he's in office he doesn't have an awful lot that he's actually doing and then he actually takes gingrich's idea from him space force <laughs> 
this is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that's just to me. That's one of the the, the hallmarks of the Trump Pence administration is they're just stealing from everybody. I mean, even <laughs> Melania Trump's public remarks and on a few occasions stolen wholesale from Michelle Obama. I mean, so I mean, oh, yeah. you could say Donald Trump's entire agenda is stolen from Fox News Channel. Uh, mm, yeah. There's nothing original, including Make America Great Again. That's not even original. That was a Reagan thing. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm sure you're aware, maybe you're not, but I mean, I've heard this rumor because I'm in the D.C. area and I, I'm, <laughs> I keep my ears open. And I've heard this mm-hmm. rumor suggesting that Ivanka is still on the table as a possibility to replace Pence in, in 2020. Oh. I mean, is there any chance at all of that happening? I mean, I just I don't see it unless they're I mean, obviously anything can happen with this administration, but it seems like a long shot, doesn't it? Well, uh, you know, look, I, I, I've written about this before, about how they were thinking about maybe um, re- re- Jared and Ivanka had been talking about replacing uh, Pence on the ticket with a woman. Yeah. And, and I think in the mo- in that moment, Haley kind of runs into the vacuum to say, oh, me, um, you know, with, with, you know, of course, the typical, as you know, the typical political, you know, half step on it, which is, uh, oh, me, but actually not me because, oh, no, I would never do that. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I read the dagger, you know, pulls out the daggers. I 100 percent support Mike Pence. Mm. Um, Yeah, sure, sure. No, no, the the chatter is real. And you know how I know it's real? It's because you see how Pence's team reacts to it. And you see how like look at the look at the loyalty test that he goes through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that terrible July that he had where they, they yank him back from the New Hampshire trip. You know, in the moment, nobody knew that uh, it was because he was going to be on stage with, uh, with a, you know, a Giants, former Giants player, an opi- opioid dealer. Yeah. Um, nobody knew what they assumed, the people around him, was that this was Trump yanking on his leash. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yep. and this is like, and these loyalty tests, and, you know, the funny thing about it is like all that is just, demeaning and humiliating but ukraine is potentially fatal i mean does does mike pence get impeached first or what do you think if anything is going to trigger such an event i mean what do you see in pence's orbit as being impeachable do you think it's this do you think it's ukraine yeah i mean yeah right i mean look impeachment is fundamentally at the end of the day it's a you know, funny, it's actually pre-statutory because it's written mm. in the Constitution and it's before the criminal code of the United States has, even, has ever even been drawn up. Sure. So it, it's 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 so it's 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 fundamentally a constitutional decision, and inherently because it's you know in, inside the body, the House, a, a political decision. Um, yes, they absolutely could impeach him. Um, now, would they? Would this mean that Pence gets removed from office? Um, I don't think so. I don't think think the Pence or Trump. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, I don't think that look at the, you know, Mitt Romney is the one who's uh, allegedly leading the charge on this. Um, I mean, it just kind of reminds me of like when, um, you know, when people were talking about picking off votes on, on Kavanaugh and then, you know, Susan Collins has that big speech on the floor and it takes her 45 minutes to get to the point where everyone knew she was going, which is, yes, I'm voting for Brett Kavanaugh. I believe him. Right. Um, right. So like, and that's and that and you know this kind of reminds me you know I used to cover the Maryland State House I used to cover the the Indiana State House it is so true of every Republican and Democrat I ever watched on the middle your swing votes mm-hmm. um, where they hem and haul in public uh, to kind of make a big racket out of it but then usually end up going with the party. Yeah, and you know, going back to Ivanka and the vice presidency and some sort of switcheroo in terms of the mm-hmm. line of succession. I mean, do you think Pence will uh, concede to pardoning Trump if if Trump resigns? I- I'm not sure that he will. And and I because I mean, my reasoning. I'd love to get your take on this. My reasoning is that. Pence is only loyal to Trump insofar as Trump is there to be helpful to Pence. And so therefore, if if Trump is out of the way, Pence is going to think about Pence instead of worrying about, well, how do, how do we deal with this this gigantic orange elephant in the room? You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Yeah. I think that... Um, that um Got this bird in the back. I, I know. Here. I was I'm hearing like, that. Where are are you at an arboretum? <laughs> What's going on, Tom? 
standing outside my house right now in Washington, listening listening for bird calls on impeachment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think that um, the fundamental dynamic with Pence holds. I, look, I don't know whether he would actually pardon Trump or not. Um, mm-hmm. I have no reporting to that effect. He, he won't answer that question as people won't answer that question. Um, uh, but I can tell you this. Understand that if, for, if you assume that everything is about winning the White House in, in his own right, winning winning an election, why is it that why is the reason that any of these Republicans do this is that and the answer is that the that's where the base is. So I think if you yeah. impeach Trump, you remove Trump. You know, and, and I, you mentioned this earlier, and I think it's true. You know, it's almost not about Trump; it's almost about that base. So you, so like to the extent that. You understand that it's almost like politically he would have to pardon Trump if only to win the primary. But then, you know, once you have that nomination, can you pivot back to the general? In that case, I, I don't think you could. I think he becomes Gerald Ford in, in this hypothetical. And again, it's all a question of whether or not he can hang on to Trump's base after something like that were to happen. And I think if he were to pardon Trump, it would be for only that reason. And in fact, one of the yes. reasons I think that there's a possibility that Donald Trump is going to say, hey, let's change Trump Pence to Trump Trump and bring in Ivanka and see if the convention <laughs> will accept that. And and the reason being is, is that I think Donald Trump wants that insurance policy that if he ever does have to resign or it could actually facilitate a resignation. It could actually open that door for him and make yeah. it a little easier for him to do it if he knew that there was a family member in that spot to potentially uh, pardon him if he gets out. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's his only option. I mean, if he wants to escape prosecution after he leaves office, the only way to do it is to resign and get pardoned. And uh, I don't know if he accepts that yet as a possibility, Mm. but that seems to me as if that's the only calculus that gets him out of legal jeopardy uh, upon stepping out of the the White House for the last time. uh, you know, just a few other things here uh, with yeah. just uh, regarding uh, Pence in Indiana. I want to ask you about uh, that gigantic upswing in HIV cases in, in Indiana and then Pence's reaction to that, where initially he wanted to shut down the needle exchanges. How did he finally get convinced to back away from um, uh, preventing those needle exchanges from, from occurring? No, I mean, it is the local providers um, really worked on him a lot. Um, yeah. the, the healthcare lobby worked on him a lot. I mean, here's the thing, and this kind of goes back to my, my thinking on him not being a theocrat and not being a pure ideologue. Yeah. Remember, this is the same guy who expanded Medicaid in Indiana. Um, and now, you know, he hates it when you call it expanding Medicaid, um, <laughs> but that's functionally what it was. Yeah. And that's and that's moving and as a decision it's moving towards the center you know one one of my um, longtime sources who who helped me with this book often makes the point he says you know you can you can go with a party you know 80 or 90% of the time and then you can kind of pick your one issue where you break with them and you'll never have to worry about losing the base um so for for this for for this guy a longtime republican it was uh, the uh, the issue of immigration um yeah. Pence can, you know, he can um, uh, be moderated in ways, you know, it depends upon who's able to give through to him. Um, now, the the thing that was always more telling to me about the, the HIV outbreak, and I think it's just generally true of his, uh, his term as governor, was that he was absent largely. He spent too much time running for president and did not have a pulse on what was going on. Um, and it created problems for him. He did not have a very good team in there. They were not wired into what was happening in the state. And remember, at the same time that that 2015, the spring of 2015, the religious freedom battle was going on, he's getting engulfed by that. Um, the HIV outbreak is starting down in Scott County. It's you know, on your way down to Louisville. Yeah. And um, and and that's happening at the same time. And I think this is part of the reason. People I've heard, you know, people on the left say they're worried he would be like a, you know, like a real like even worse than Donald Trump because he would be so effective at getting stuff passed. I I think that's wrong. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, we've we've seen him as an executive and he was not effective. 
Right, right. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that works, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of Mike Pence being at all palatable as a president, is, again, the fact that he has that rehearsed presidential thing down. He's kind of like, mm-hmm. he's got the same, uh, I don't know what, uh, uh, media training that George W. Bush took uh, at some point that George W. Bush <laughs> right. adapted. In fact, some of their things are very similar. If you, you take away the, the Texas thing from George W. Bush, and you're kind of left with Mike Pence. And uh, <laughs> there's just, I, I don't know why I see that Venn diagram overlap between those two. They just seem like they're carved from... From a similar cloth in a, in a lot of ways. Um, oh yeah. Quick question about uh, mother, yeah. about uh, Karen Pence, yeah. and uh, <laughs> the, you know the woman he refers to as mother very creepily. Um, is his objection to being alone in the room in a room with another woman is that politics uh, branding? Or is that seriously something he tries to avoid? I mean, is that really something that he morally finds or religiously finds objectionable? No, I, I took that as politics. Um, yeah. I, I mean, look, it could have changed. Here's what here's what we know from the reporting mm-hmm. is that when he's in Indiana and he's on the radio, yeah. he would routinely have lunch with the, with the woman who was the newscaster on Saturdays alone when no one else was there. Mm-hmm. Um, great conversation, totally normal. Um, this was, you know, regular a regular thing. Yeah. Um, goes to Washington and he adopts this rule. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's signaling, it's a kind of signal boosting to the, to, you know, evangelicals and the Christian, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the same time, this is like, he avoids going out drinking. He avoids going out partying. He just avoids generally speaking, he avoids all the things that, that get other people in trouble. And if you look at it, what's happening with him in this moment, he's watching as he's a, a freshman in Congress, First term, first termer, early two thousands. Jack Abramoff is happening. Oh yeah, right. And in in a, in a sense, it's actually a really good excuse not to go get yourself in trouble. You know, when Tom Delay and Roy Blunt and all these guys are out there, you know, having you know, getting free drinks and you know, uh, greasing the skids for um, for Abramoff's uh, casino clients. Um, you know, Pence is at home having dinner with his family. Now, you know, it seems a little. Uh, crazy now a little antiquated um but um in the moment it's actually kind of perfect and i think the thing that i always tried to do at least when i was reporting this and really helped me understand how he operates is that put it in the chronology of when these things are happening and he's making very what you see is that he's making very cautious calculated decisions in that moment and wherever he is and everything's based on surviving it's based on the long run yeah and, and in fact i was kind of amazed when he emerged as a vice presidential possibility in 2016 because i had kind of uh, at that point written him off as being a national figure i kind of assumed that yeah. he was hunkered down in indiana and he was kind of off the table for a while he's very high profile when he was in congress but once he became governor of indiana uh, he kind of just shuffled away and was quiet. He wasn't really in in the press yeah. a whole lot. I mean, what was kind of what was well, his calculus behind all of that? Uh, just sort of uh, he, abandoning the national yeah. spelling. Yeah. No, he was he was trying to survive his own reelection. Um, <laughs> that makes that, sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Functionally, that's that's what it was about. And, and the the irony is that um, you know if he had run in twenty sixteen, let's say Rifra, the religious freedom battle, never happens. Yeah. Hypothetically. And let's say he decides at the last minute. I mean, he had already decided by that point, the spring of 2015, that he wasn't going to do it. But let's say hypothetically, he says that everything goes perfect for him. And he looks like a great candidate for, for, for the White House in 2016. He would have gotten destroyed by Trump in the primary. Oh, he sure. Gotten just reamed. Yep. I mean, he would have been. Uh, he would have. I mean, he would. He would have been lost long before a low energy Jeb, uh, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, again, right? another guy who is kind of in at the same level as Mike Pence as far as his, yeah, at least his public performance. Yeah, Jeb Bush. And, and right, exactly. Trump would have killed him. <laughs> that would have been. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, been, he would have destroyed him. I mean, the funny thing would have been, you know, Trump would have been the first one to call him anti-gay. Probably would have had, you know, Caitlyn Jenner go out there for him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and like film ads about what, you know, what a horrible bigot Mike Pence is and all this. Um, but the, 
<laughs> right. Before before she figured, you know, before she figured out Trump, that is right. You know, before yeah, she. Right. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, speaking of that, speaking of that 2016 field, you write about Pence's long term relationship with Chris Christie. And I mean that in the platonic sense. I don't mean that in any other way. Yeah. You kind of detail how Pence stabbed him in the back a couple of times. Now, I mean, not once, yeah. but literally twice. I, why did he do it? Why did he turn on Chris Christie? Is it just that ambition under just under the surface? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, and I think this is why, um, you know, Christie uh, destroyed Pence in his book, uh, that his memoir that came out, um, uh, at the beginning of the year. Mm. And, um, and it's actually, you know, that actually helped, um, helped me get through to Pence's people more than I already had to, to can get them to open up a little bit, which is like, look, guys, you're, you know, your version, the story of Mike Pence is being written by Chris Christie. And I, I'll tell you that he is no fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does not forget. I mean, the thing that, um, you know, Christie told me this when, when we talked, and I think it's kind of accurate. He was, he actually was, it? I think it was like that Wednesday or Friday. It was like right after the election. And you remember they, um, they kicked, they kicked Christie out and replaced him with Pence on the transition, the transition director. Right. And, um, Christie had actually talked with Pence that morning. Um, just a routine check-in and, um, and they were trying to figure out, you know, what they're doing, planning things going forward and all this. And Pence never mentions anything about the transition. It just never comes up. And then a few hours later, Christie gets that call from Steve Bannon telling him that he's out. And, and Christie thought to himself, he's like, did Mike Pence know about this and not tell me? Yeah. Or, or did he not know about it? And I'll tell you, that's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a big question with Mike Pence because let's, let's apply this, this lesson to Ukraine, Mm -hmm. right? Did Mike Pence know about it and not say anything or is he right? Is he, or is he just completely oblivious? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's oblivious like a Fox. That's that's my take. Especially after reading some of your books. I I think he's, yeah. Absolutely aware of what's going on around him. He's always thinking strategically. And uh, yeah. and I think it's all a matter of self-preservation for him and just hunkering down and getting through this turbulence. Uh, he's just kind yeah. of buckled in and, and hanging out for the ride. And I think a lot of Republicans, especially on the Hill, uh, feel the same way. I think uh, Ezra Klein said the other night, the, the dominating factor with a lot of Republicans, and I, I would probably include Mike Pence in all of this, is mm-hmm. don't make any sudden moves. <laughs> That's how they're kind of approaching <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm yeah. kind of amazed, and I'm, I'm not sure um, what you've been able to discover through your reporting, but I'm struck every time I see it happen, the amount of wagon circling around Donald Trump by mm-hmm. people who are staking their careers, their reputations on one of easily the biggest buffoons to ever step onto the presidential stage, if not the biggest buffoon to ever do this. Oh, I can't believe that these people are staking everything on defending him and i cannot figure out for the life of me what the motive is other than they're just they're looking at the red hat throngs and going yeah we want those people i i can't think of any other reason i mean have you been able to discover yeah. uh, what no, motivates I, these guys especially i mean i'm talking about top republican yeah. leadership just defending the hell out of trump and i don't get it no i think that's exactly it and you, you answered the question right there it's just mm. uh, you know it's the, it's that base and as yeah. long as that base is there now, I will tell you, the silence that you're starting to hear from Senate Republicans is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, look at that Washington Post poll that came out recently. The numbers on impeachment, where the public generally is on impeachment, flipped around, right? So there's a, um, um, it was basically a movement about, I think it was a movement of 20 points. Um, so now it's was like 58% support impeachment uh, inquiry. Um, and then uh, 38% opposed. That's in just two months. But the other thing that was really fascinating about that poll is, and it's very true of Trump himself, you don't see a lot of movement in the people who have no opinion. Basically, there are, when you look at the numbers, like, there's like 5% of people who have no opinion on this. Mm-hmm. So what was fascinating to me was that this wasn't people coming off the fence on this issue. This was people changing their minds. Yeah. 
And I think they've been convinced. And I think one of the things that's convinced them is the pragmatic way that Nancy Pelosi has gone about this. And I try to give her uh, a little more credit than most, uh, on the left at least, uh, who who have kind of uh, discontented with how slowly she moved on it. But I think the slowness has provided... Enough impetus for people to say, okay, maybe this isn't as partisan as Donald Trump is saying. Maybe this is real because she has taken her time. And I think that's uh, definitely a positive thing. Um, And just as far as like weathering storms like this, what happened between Pence and Trump after the Access Hollywood tape dropped? Uh, Because it seemed like uh, everything was going to fall apart at that point. And he was oh, able. Yeah. He was able to maintain and and just power through it, uh, but it seems like it was much more uh, touch and go there than uh, than a lot of what we saw on the surface. So the Republican National Committee, the Republican Party, had a a, a contingency plan, sort of a emergency ripcord that you pull <laughs> in case of in case of something like this, in case of. Yeah, you know, originally everyone thought it was their Mark, the Mark Burnett tapes where you would thought that everyone thought that Trump was on there using the N word, yeah. and um, and they were prepared for this. And, and frankly, it's not a bad idea. You should be prepared for something like that. It's pretty mm. pragmatic. Um, I never, I in my reporting, I kind of dismissed that initially because I didn't really believe it. Um, but as I was reporting that weekend, that Access Hollywood weekend. Within two hours of the Access Hollywood tape publishing at 4 p.m., so it publishes 4 p.m. on that Friday, October 7th, almost exactly three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, within two hours, Republican donors acting as back channels for Reince Priebus. Now, he Priebus denies this, but the, the, I'm pretty confident in the source on this, um, are calling up Mike Pence's campaign telling them they're ready to enact the contingency plan and they're going to remove Trump and make Pence the nominee. And he doesn't even have to say anything. He can be totally passive about it. And right. And he, and it's in that moment, his people beat it back. They tell him, you know, no, we're not going to do this. Um, you know, it's a lunacy. Uh, we don't support that. Um, but look how fast that happened within two hours of the tape dropping. You don't, you don't start making calls without having something already crafted. Yeah. And that's what convinced me that, it, that it was real. Um, now look at, now look at the flip side of this, right? So why did, why did Pence never leave? Um, you know, why did they put out there that, that, uh, Karen Pence was angry about it, but not angry enough to actually, you know, leave the ticket. Think about it. And again, it's what, it goes back to what I said earlier. Put everything in the chronology. Try to understand where everyone is in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're thinking that they just have to survive another 30 days with Trump, and it's all and it'll all be over. Yeah. And then they can run for, run for the White House themselves. And this is the entire strategy. The strategy is uh, uh, join him for four months, grab that that Republican base, that Trump base, that populist, nationalist, conservative base try to own it and run for the nomination in 2020. And, and there's reporting to back this up. You know, I'd heard this before I didn't entire, I heard it before I started working on the book. I did not entirely believe it, you know, cause I, cause I, you know, when I started this project, I kind of bought into the idea of, of, of Pence's milk toast, you yeah. know, not having a, not having a cunning bone in his body. <laughs> um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. now, now, uh, now I just, now I just see that completely for what it is. It's a facade. Yeah. And, um, and he's really, they're really good. Look, they were going around that, um, that fall of 2016, they were going around quietly to Republican donors and telling them, Hey, get on board the Pence train for 2020. Uh, now before the, before the primary starts the day after the election and you'll have a good seat at the table. And just before we wrap up, one last question for you, Tom. Um, what's the biggest thing about Pence that most people don't know about? I mean, besides the fact that what we've mainly discussed here, which is that there's more to Pence than just being a glass of warm milk uh, with all of these, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of uh, paleo conservative ideas. What is the thing that people don't get about him that uh, that they should probably be aware of? I 
think look at this is one of my one of my old time sources told me this and and I, I think it's true. Look at every politician is looking for acceptance. Yeah. It's and it, and what is and 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 by design small d democratic, you know, re- representative democracy is an exercise in popularity. So go back to where Mike Pence was in in high school. The guy from he's a middle child um, you kind of lost in the mix in his family. Uh, pudgy as a kid, loses a lot of weight uh, in high school, gets very popular. Just think about that guy for a second. Yeah. And and I think that then you start to understand the people. One of the things I've noticed in the White House, in Republican politics, is that people will hoist all kinds of praise on, on Pence, and they kind of try to own him. They try to be like, Oh no, Mike's in my world. Mike Pence is no. Mike Pence is definitely a Steve Bannon nationalist, one hundred percent. Okay, no, Mike Pence is a Christian right uh, guy. He's a he's a Dobson type of guy. Um, he doesn't fall into those worlds. But it's always fascinating to me. One one of my sources made made this comment, and I thought it's very true of him as a person. He's gotten so he's developed such a good political acumen over his career, 30 years in politics. You do anything for 30 years, you're going to get good at it. Um, But he never trusts himself. Huh. Why do you think that is? I think it's because he's still that, I mean, you know, I'm I'm being, I I don't want to be mean. I'm the oldest of three. Um, So I don't want to, I apologize to all the middle children out there. (laughs) I am too. I'm the the oldest of three too. So you're safe here. It's a safe (laughs) space. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. Really, I don't think that you're like ever like you're not going to end up like the vice president, okay? <laughs> but but I think that's fun. I think it's functionally the same guy. Look at where in 2008. I'll give you two one one great thing I learned from after the book, and then one one great thing I learned from inside the book, and they they just they mesh perfectly together. Yeah. I was down at a, a book signing in Columbus, Indiana, his hometown, and um, and uh, and his. And one of his high school friends, a grade school friend, uh, comes out, and um, we're talking. And he's like, you know, Mike. Mike used to talk about running for president back in school. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's like, yeah, you know, Mike had talked about it, and we all kind of laughed about it, but he was dead set on it. And he goes home to his mom, and he tells his mom about it, and his mom says, yes, you should do that. Hmm. And it plants this seed. It's not just these things don't come out of nowhere. So look at what do we just say about acceptance, need, and mm-hmm. you know, and a politician's need for this thing. Pence does not seriously start running for president until the end of 2008 and the start of 2009. By that, I mean, you know, putting the chess pieces on the board. Um, the, and what happens? The movement conservatives in the umbrella group, uh, the Council for National Policy, go to him and they say, Mike Pence, we want you to run for president. Yeah. It's fulfill. It's 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 affirming. Mm-hmm. It fulfills that need for acceptance. I see. And yeah. And from, you know, a psychological standpoint and it, and it creates that. So I think that's the thing. Understand that that's who, like understand there's a person there and. Yeah and things start to make sense and don't forget the ambition. Don't ever downplay the ambition. That's real. And it's, and I I used to make that mistake and that's, um, and I'll never make that mistake again. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I'm not in this camp. It says Mike Pence is going to be worse than Trump until I start to consider this. And just one last thing and get your feedback on this one. Is Mike mm-hmm. Pence potentially the normal Trump? And I'll explain that. Um, my concern is that Trumpism uh, continues to metastasize and suddenly it's taken up by copycats who learn the lessons of Trump's mistakes. They don't start screeching on Twitter. They don't do these <laughs> rallies. They quite, they act like your normal cookie cutter politician, but they do all of the Trumpism things behind the scenes. Like there's this facade and then there's all the Trumpism under the surface of the water um, as being sort of the rest of the iceberg. Is Mike Pence that guy? Is Mike Pence the smart Trumper or is Mike Pence always going to be Mike Pence. I think I think that's what he I think that's what he, he will morph into. He's always moving with the tide, with the political tide. Yeah. Um, and you already and you already see it on issues like trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, I think his style would not change. But uh, yeah, in terms of who, um, you know, what his politics and policies are, I think I think that's probably right. I think that he would turn into a, um, yeah, normal, flat, whatever version of Trump. I mean, you'd get, you'd lose some of the insanity. Yeah. Um, but I, but I but I think that now this is the other part. Does that work if it's not Trump? And I I, I don't know that it does. I mean, I don't know that it, it works when it's not. Um, you know, somebody, you know, when it's not Andrew Dice Clay on Twitter, I'm not sure it works. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. I think that all of those things are required in order for it to happen. I think Donald Trump is buoyed by the fact that he's a phenomenon, that he's a, a charismatic pop culture figure who was on television right. for 12 years and people expect him to be screeching right. things and that's what they love about him. They love that he owns the libs and all the rest of it. And they right. could they could take or leave a policy. They just whatever he happens to sign as an executive order or whatever bill Mitch McConnell sends his way, signs it. They don't care. It could be anything. Uh, as long yeah. as he's owning the libs, they're going to be happy about that. And I guess that's where <laughs> this whole philosophy of the smart Trumper might actually end up breaking down. Uh, yeah. Tom, it was absolutely a pleasure not only to talk to you today, but also to read your book. It is quite a work. Again, it's Pi- Piety and Power, Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. Just an incredible piece of work, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Bob. It was awesome. Hey, it's Stephanie Miller, America's original sexy liberal, if you don't count Miller Fillmore. Come join us for the Happy Hour Podcast. You're probably already doing plenty of drinking and swearing with this stain of a president in office. Well, join me and my celebrity and comedian friends for a raunchy, uncensored ride through politics and pop culture. Pants optional. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.